Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. And I was trying to figure out to, 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 to show just how insulting such a statement was. Can anything good come from Nazareth? You know, sometimes when we read the Bible, we always look at the Bible as these heroes out here doing everything correctly, out here doing everything perfectly when we ought to be looking at them as friends and people. Understanding that, that, that these are real people in these real times. And Nathaniel asked him to come out and it was hard to put that into perspective. But then some published reports came out in the news about our president discussing immigration policy. Lord God Almighty, King of kings and Lord of lords, Lord God, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord God. Hide me behind your cross. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. For uh, the time that is ours to share together, I want to talk a little bit about following, coming, and seeing. Amen. Uh, while most people with a car and a driver's license uh, observe the traffic laws we realize that there are some of those out there that don't. Uh, speed limits are just suggestions to them. Or a benchmark of uh, where I should go plus 5 to 10 or 15 miles an hour on top of that. So if it says 60, well, I can go 75. I always marveled when I was driving back and forth from Dallas for class. Uh, some places, the speed limit got up to 75 or 80, up 45, and I thought I was moving. And I was getting blown by like I was standing still. But there are some rules that are common to those who drive in the United States. Uh, driving on the right side of the road. Stopping at stop signs. Uh, there are some laws and rules that vary from state to state. I learned that when I had to go to defensive driving one time. Uh, I went to defensive driving for a speeding ticket I'd gotten in Texas, and I got my driver's license in Indiana. And one of the things they were talking about is who has the right of way when you get to a stop sign, and it's always the person to the furthest right. And uh, if it's a four-way tie, in Indiana, whoever is coming from the north headed southbound gets to go first. 
And so they asked that at this Texas defensive driving class. I raised my hand. I was like, yeah, whoever's coming from the north, going southbound, they get to go first and then they go from the right. First. She said, no. How would you even know how, where you're going from the north or from the south? Have you seen some of these roads in Houston? <laughs> they start off going east and west and then you drive a little bit further down and they start going north and south. And so she said, no, Texas actually has what's called an inclined leader law. So you could make the right of way at that time. Whoever got out, in the, whoever got out into the intersection first at a four-way stop had the right of way. So stuff would be state to state, different rules kind of change that you had to follow. But then there are some that, that are, are also weird, and, and some of these older rules... Uh, go from state to state in Little Rock, Arkansas no person this rule used to be that no person shall sound the horn on a vehicle any place where cold drinks or sandwiches are served after 9pm uh, apparently in Waynesboro Virginia many many decades ago it was illegal for a woman to drive down Main Street without her husband walking out in front of the vehicle waving a red flag. In Montana, it was illegal to leave sheep unescorted in a truck. In Minnesota, it was illegal to cross state lines with a duck on your head. Doesn't say anything about chickens, uh, but you can't have ducks on your head. And, and in Tennessee, there was a law that prohibits shooting animals, shooting at animals from a car, unless that animal happens to be a whale. So if you came across a whale on the side of the road in Chattanooga, I mean, go, go for what you know. They have these strange rules out here that people are supposed to follow. And when you follow these rules, it's not just a suggestion. And I thought about that when I came across today's passage uh, in the lectionary, John 1, 43 through 51. It's continuing a, an account of Jesus getting his disciples together, his students, his crew. These are the people that will go on to form the church as we know it. Uh, and so John 1 pretty much talks about the word becoming flesh and then John deny, John the Baptist, that is, denying that he's the Messiah. And some of his followers actually leave him when he starts talking about Jesus so that they can go follow Jesus. Uh, and so these talks about the first five followers. Andrew and John were the ones that were originally disciples of John the Baptist. But when they heard what their master had to say about Jesus, they decided, I'm going to go see what's going on there, too. Uh, and then, then we get Peter, good old Peter, around verses 40 through uh, 42, and then we get to the point of your hearing. God is calling Philip to follow, and Philip actually gets a personal invitation from Jesus. Uh, Jesus tells him to follow him, and Philip then goes from getting his personal inf uh, invitation to wanting to, ch to follow somebody. Uh, he bears witness to Nathaniel. 
just like Andrew did with Peter in verses before your hearing. But the first person that he tells is Nathaniel. And I like Nathaniel, and, and I, I thought about this in this time, and I may come back and address this in another series, but there are plenty of people in the Bible that are only mentioned one time. And we never hear from them again, but there's something about that one time that they are mentioned. There's something about that one story, and it makes a point. So Nathaniel is not mentioned in the Gospels. Uh, he's not listed as one of the 12 disciples who are later called the apostles, uh, but it's good that he's mentioned. So that lets me know that all the rules that are out there are not just for the apostles, but they're for the average people, just like you and me. Uh, the rules that are supposed to be followed in the Bible are just for all other people. And Philip goes to Nathaniel. And tells him that we have found the one that Moses and the prophets wrote about. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Uh, now he calls him the son of Joseph not to deny the virgin birth. But he calls him the son of Joseph because it's through the son of Joseph that the prophecy comes that he's a part of the tribe of Judah. That's how he gets his lineage, Jesus does, in there. And Nathaniel responds with something kind of rude. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nazareth is a small village at the time. It's not mentioned in Hebrew literature. Nathaniel has some questions about Jesus' character and hometown. And I was trying to figure out a way to bring that statement home. Uh, they, there's, a, there's a phrase that I've heard on this thing called Sermon Smith where they talk about the craft of preaching and somebody talks about you got to be able to put the cookies on the lower shelf. Uh, and I was trying to figure out to, 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 to show just how insulting such a statement was. Can anything good come from Nazareth? You know, sometimes when we read the Bible, we always look at the Bible as these heroes out here doing everything correctly, out here doing everything perfectly when we ought to be looking at them as friends and people, understanding that, that, that these are real people in these real times. And Nathaniel asked him to come out, and it was hard to put that into perspective. But then some published reports came out in the news about our president discussing immigration policy and referring to certain countries as blank whole countries. And that's about as putting the cookies on the lowest shelf as possible. He was assuming that because uh, these people are coming from countries that he didn't like or countries that he hadn't heard of, that these people weren't worth anything. And that's about as insulting as Nathaniel was getting when he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And I say that to say that I won't say the actual word because I have no desire to violate the pulpit. But I won't say the actual word as well because I understand that I got a little bit of a position. And when you are 
in charge of something. When you are representing something to somebody else, whether or not you are the president of a country, a prime minister, a CEO of a corporation, or a poor little pastor of a church, everywhere you go, you take what you represent with you. And so you cannot allow what you say to embarrass your constituents. And so if I can manage that, we all ought to be able to manage that. Just like a president takes their country wherever they go. Just like a pastor takes the church wherever they go. We as Christians are taking Jesus wherever we go. And so it's just something to think about when you go into certain places and understand that Jesus is following you there too. Uh, Would Jesus be okay in the place that you've taken him? Just a little something to think about. Uh, But another thing to think about in this is anything good can come from Nazareth or, or, or this disparaging of a country is we cannot allow on the receiving end other people to tell us what we are worth. We cannot allow other people to tell us what we're worth because if we allow them to tell us what we are worth, they will devalue our price. They will try to sell us for cheap as possible. They won't understand the value of the price. And so we cannot allow outsiders to determine our price and our value and our worth because we've been bought for a price. That bought that, and we were bought for a price that was paid on Calvary. Uh, We were worth saving that God was willing to put on human flesh and live a life that we could not live and die a death that we could not die. He was willing to do that for us. So we got to be able to understand what we're worth. We got to be able to understand that we are the head and not the tail. That we are above and shall never be beneath. That we're supposed to be the lender and not the borrower. That we're supposed to be blessed in the city and blessed in the field and blessed when we come and blessed when we go. We should ought to be able to understand that. So then when those haters come and try to tell us that we ain't all that, we can understand that I am the righteousness of God. We can understand that I am the apple of God's eye. You can understand that I am blessed in everything that I do and I'm a child of the king and my God owns the cattle of a thousand hills. You got to be able to understand that and not allow somebody on the outside to tell you what you are worth. And so we can learn from Nathaniel, both on the giving in and the receiving in. Watch how we treat people. We will be the only Bible some people ever read. We will be the only scripture some people ever hear. We will be the only sermon some people ever see. So we got to watch how we treat people. And then when we're on the receiving end, we got to understand that they don't determine our worth. It's not what they call you, it's what you answer to. Amen. Ah, and so uh, one else, uh, some other things that we can learn from it is that Philip doesn't spend a bunch of time arguing with Nathaniel. Here Nathaniel says something that's pretty disrespectful. And I don't 
try to presuppose Philip and Nathaniel's relationship and understand what kind of dynamic they have, they might be able to talk to each other like that. I don't know, but I know what the text says. And the text says that Nathaniel says these things and Philip doesn't go back and forth with him. I believe it was Mark Twain that said uh, not to argue with a stupid person because they will drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. Philip doesn't go back and forth. He just responds for him to come and see. Uh, Because the coming and the seeing could be better than any persuasive argument, any rhetorical debate, any kind of dialogue or ideology that that, that Philip could be able to put on him. No, we don't have to talk about it. I'm going to just show you that he's one who bees about it. Uh, And so he takes him to see Jesus. And Jesus saw him coming from a long ways away. Ah, and he says, truly there is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel says, how do you know me? And he says, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathaniel declares that, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Ah, he, he, he tells him to follow him. Jesus tells Philip to follow him. And it's not a, a suggestion or, or, or a request or some agenda item on a meeting with Robert's Rules of Order to be tabled for later. It's not something where he says, hey guys, do you, do you think this will, you know what would be really nice? This is a command. And in the old school Bibles that you have, it's red lettering. That means Jesus is talking. And so he tells him to follow him. Uh, He tells Philip to follow him, and and it's a command. And and commands are not suggestions. And the commands come with some extra rules. This is a lot easier. This command is, is harder, rather, than just clicking like on Facebook or checking in or clicking follow on Instagram or Twitter or, or turning on a television and watching it. These follows come with a command. This is not an easy life that these people who are supposed to be following Jesus are signing up for. Uh, some people would, ar- would argue in the scholarly that the Greek, when it says follow me, it, it means be with me. You have to be in there. And then he's told to come and see him because Nathaniel came to Jesus. He was able to see the difference. He went from insulting Jesus' hometown to becoming a believer and finding out what Jesus already knew. And not only is Nathan's response uh, important because it, 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 it's more than a witness, it is a confession. Uh, he, uh, a witness says, this is. A confession says, you are. A confession implies relationship. When you are a witness in a trial, you come in and speak your peace, and then you leave. And most of the time, if you're a witness in a trial, you're not there for the beginning. 
and you're not there for the end. You come and say what you got to say and, and don't, sometimes won't even find out what happens. But the confession implies relationship. And so we have to be willing to enter into a relationship with Jesus. Uh, when we follow him, we got to be able to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. And we got to be willing to love our neighbor as ourselves. So in other words, the work that comes into following Jesus is more than just coming to church for an hour and a half on Sunday. It's more than Bible study only on a Wednesday for an hour. You got to be willing to put in the time and the effort to work outside of the church. That doesn't mean you let the church go. You just have to be willing to put that on top of it. Not just read the Bible on Sunday, but read the Bible for yourself. Not just pray when the food come out and drop a quick Jesus whip or bless this food in Jesus name, amen, but have some time to really talk with God. Spend some time praying. Spend some time doing some good works. Spend some time helping out doing what Jesus told us to do. That following is not as easy as it sounds. That's hard work to love your enemy. That's hard work to give your time and talent and treasure to the church. That's hard work to be reading the Bible on a consistent basis. Sometimes you may not feel like praying, but you got to put that work in. Sometimes you may not feel like forgiving, but you got to put that work in. Sometimes you may not feel like fasting, but you got to put that work in. If you claim to follow Jesus. And then you have to come and then you have to see. And because Philip followed and Nathaniel came, they were able to see something amazing. But not only something amazing, but to find out that they were going to see greater things than they had already seen. Ah, those who, who followed Jesus got to come and see Jesus heal the sick. They got to come and see Jesus cast out demons. They got to come and see Jesus open up blinded eyes. They got to come and see Jesus make the dumb talk. They got to come and see Jesus make the deaf hear. They got to come and see Jesus let the blind see. They had to come and see Jesus let the lame walk. They had to come and see Jesus perform these miracles. Following Jesus got them to see some wonderful things in their lifetime. And if you come and see Jesus and follow him, you'll get to see some amazing things in your own lifetime. Ah, And he says that he sees angels descending and ascending, or ascending and descending. And that goes back to Genesis, round about 28 and 10 through 22, where Jacob was on a journey. And he laid down. To take a rest and rested his head on the stone and then he saw something kind of strange it, it looked like a ladder 
going into the sky. I got some Bible readers in here and, and we've had that. We've heard that song before. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. That's what they were talking about. And on this ladder that he saw, there were angels going up and down this ladder. And in Genesis, it's a vision for Jacob. But by the time we get to the gospel according to John, we get to understand that this way going up and down to heaven, this pathway to heaven, this gateway to heaven, if you will, is a physical person. Oh, by the name of Jesus. Uh, so we understand that they're going to get to see this pathway into heaven. Uh, he'll pin it a little better. We're in verse, we're in chapter one, but by the time John gets to chapter three and uh, verse sixteen, he'll pin it a little better. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, there, there are some other people that were able to articulate a little better. And Paul, going into Romans, said, "If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus." And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. Uh, there are some other ways to articulate it. Paul said it in Galatians. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. It is not I who live. But the Christ who lives in me. So he's getting ready to say that if you see just these little things right now. You'll be able to see something that will be able to affect all of creation for all of eternity. They'll be able to see greater things than that. And so we go from somebody coming from a little small town that ain't nobody heard of and they think don't nothing ever come good out of this town, this old country that ain't worth nothing. We go from that to being able to see the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, being able to see the Son of God, being able to see the Messiah, being able to see the one who Moses and the prophets talked about, being able to see a rabbi, being able to see a son of man, being able to see the king of the Jews, being able to see the king of the ages, being able to see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, being able to see the one whose name is above all names, being able to see the one who every knee shall bow and every tongue confess Jesus is Lord, being able to see him become a doctor in the sick room, being able to see him become a lawyer in the courtroom, being able to see him be a heart fixer, a mind regulator, being able to see him be that will in the middle of the will, being able to see the rose of Sharon, being able to see the bright morning star, being able to see Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook.